This episode is sponsored by Filecoin Foundation. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story. Okay, let's go over to SEC land. Gary Gensler strikes again. This time, Bittrex and Bittrex Global are being noticed from the SEC and sued for operating as an unregistered security broker in clearing agency. That's according to a press release from the Securities Exchange Commission as of this morning. And a quote, Gary Gensler said, today's action yet again makes plain that the crypto markets suffer from a lack of regulatory compliance, not a lack of regulatory clarity. As alleged in our complaint, Bittrex and issuers that I worked with knew the rules that applied to them, but went to great lengths to evade them by directing issuer applicants to scrub offering materials of information indicating that certain crypto assets were securities. I got to give this one to our resident legal expert on the show. Jen, what do you make of this? We've seen SEC go after Coinbase with the Wells notice. Lots of different crypto projects are going under the gun of the SEC. What's your take on Bittrex? Well, my first question is, how can we be compliant if the rules are not clear? We are in this vicious, vicious cycle, and the way to fix it is through clear regulation, Gary Gensler. Now, according to the SEC, Will, you mentioned this in your wonderful description there, that Bittrex worked with crypto issuers to delete problematic statements. If that is true, and if Bittrex was making statements that implied you would be getting profits on certain assets, like I, that, that is bad, right? But I would like to see the statements to see how they're being interpreted. Further on in the claim, the SEC says that Bittrex should have registered as an exchange clearing agency and broker. We've seen what has happened to other exchanges, other products who have gone to the SEC and tried to register, tried to seek clarity. It has not turned out well for them. Many of them have found themselves in the same position with the Wells notice in hand. And my last take on this before I pass it off to Zach was way at the bottom of the story. It says the complaint alleges that a bunch of different tokens, including Algorand, are securities. And this is just yet another SEC enforcement (laughs) action that outlines a bunch of tokens as securities instead of providing us clarity. And I thought that was really interesting. I think that there is a strategy here in all these actions they're taking against all the companies to continuously outline more and more tokens as securities. Zach? Yeah, they're laying the groundwork. This is the game plan here, right? We've seen it time and time again. They're saying, hey, we're going to make these claims. We're going to say that these assets are securities. And therefore, if you're trading in them, you're an unregistered securities exchange, right? And this is, again, that sort of enforcement by regulation that people in the space decry so loudly, seemingly every week. And I think we're seeing them, the SEC here in this case, proceed with the playbook that they seem to be think is working for them in terms of driving these firms offshore, making it more difficult for them to access the U.S. consumers that they're charged with protecting, right? I think we can see this as par for the course and something that I think the SEC probably is going to want to do more and more, right? They can pick off some of these smaller exchanges. Maybe they uh, pick a fight with those less willing to push back against them, such as Coinbase has vowed to do. Now, I think we're going to see this time and time again. I don't think there's any reason to suggest that the SEC is going to change its approach to enforcement by regulation. There's nothing to indicate, despite all the whining, by all the crying in the crypto sector, this seems to be working for Gary Gensler. And I think we're going to see a lot more of it is this uh, dictating that, hey, these things are securities. 
therefore you guys are in violation of national securities laws, and therefore we're going to ding you. So I think we're going to see more, more of this, and it's certainly part of the course, but I know Wendy is incensed, and I'll toss it over to her. It's just so frustrating because Bittrex had two separate divisions. They had a Bittrex International and Bittrex for the United States. I was pretty sure that Bittrex for the United States operated the way it was supposed to or registered, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised because I feel like a lot of legal advisors are telling their clients just maybe to wait and not even bother registering because what's the point of even registering because they're just going to go after you harder. And then at the same time, like, are they, how are they picking these crypto projects that are on the exchanges? Like Bittrex had like, I don't know how many different trading pairs they had, but they were one of the older exchanges and they offered a lot of different cryptocurrencies. So it's like, how are they picking these random coins? Are they just throwing a dart? It's not making sense to me. But I don't, but Zach, I do have to push back a bit and say that I don't think that Gary Gensler is going to be in this position much, much longer. Tuesday's top story. That's right. I think this is a story that's going to make Wendy particularly happy because Gary Gensler was getting it from all sides, especially from the Republicans on the banking committee or the House banking committee, I should rather say. Let's take a look at this clip from Representative Patrick McHenry from the great state of North Carolina interviewing Gary Gensler. Is Ether a commodity or a security? Without speaking to anyone. I know you've repeatedly said you're not going to speak to one, except you've spoken to one, Bitcoin. So I'm asking you to speak to a second one, the second largest market cap here. And speaking to the tokens, there's 10 to 12,000. If there's a group of entrepreneurs in the middle and the public is anticipating a profit based on the- I'm asking a specific question, Chair Gensler. I said this in private. This should be no shock to you. I'm asking this question. Is Is Ether a commodity? Or security. And again, it depends on the facts and the law. And if there's a group of individuals. I'm asking about the the facts and the law sitting in your seat and the judgment you are making. And so, uh, uh, Mr. Chair, I think you you would not want me to prejudge because I'm also. But you have prejudged on this. Pretty incredible stuff. That was from the House Committee looking at financial services. This was exactly what Wendy wanted, of course. Uh, We've all wanted for a little bit from the crypto community, I can say. I think from Gary Gensler's purview, though, I got to defend him a little bit here. Like maybe he doesn't want to prejudge without putting out any sort of SEC documentation. On the other side, Patrick Henry's side and the, well, the House Republicans there, they're saying that he is liable to Congress and he must be informed by Congress and they are not happy with the judgments and the job he is doing right now. Zach, I'll throw it over to you. That was, that was some good stuff. I mean, this is, yeah, this is what's going to happen today. What's going to happen today is there's going to be a lot of lawmakers who are saying, hey, Some of my constituents, some of them are working for crypto firms. They want to know the rules to play by. They're not trying to flaunt the rules. They're not trying to break the rules. They just want the rules. And so exchanges like this indicate the level of frustration that the industry is feeling. And by way of their lawmakers that they've reached the ears of in some point in the the past, you're hearing exchanges like this that are bordering on testy even. So the fact that this lack of clarity continues to plague the industry makes it really hard for the good actors in the space to comply. The lack of compliance, we saw this from other people on Capitol Hill, isn't the fault of those seeking to comply. They're alleging that it's the fault of Gary Gensler's SEC for failing to provide those rules of the road. And I think as we're going to talk about later, it's sort of people are looking elsewhere. People are looking to other countries to maybe set up shop. And I think ultimately this could be quite negative for the US if this lack of clarity continues to persist and people doing their best to work above board within this industry keep falling under the SEC's hammer, seemingly all willy-nilly. It's kind of hard to say what's going on. But 
Yeah, Wendy, I'm going to toss it to you. You probably have a spicier take. What did you think when you saw that exchange? Well, today is the best day ever for me of 2023. It is so, so nice to see justice start to be served. I know that this is a long way, a long time coming. I know this is going to take a very long time, but it's just absolutely amazing how somebody who is in control of supposedly regulating cryptocurrencies not be able to give a clear answer. This man is getting paid with our taxpayer dollars to do a job. He can't even answer properly when being questioned. And he probably knew what questions he was going to be asked because it's a fun game between the red and the blue. But again, it's very embarrassing for America. We're hearing a lot of um, crypto companies wanting to leave overseas, which again is dangerous to lower level capitalism. It's dangerous to entrepreneurism. It's also dangerous to the United States of America economy as far as innovation goes. People came to America for a better quality of life, to have businesses, to live a lot more freely than where they were originally. I know that because my ancestors came here. And what we're seeing happening in 2023 is not only predatory, but it's very, very ridiculous. And I'm just happy to finally see the other public servants step in and ask questions and see what's going on and do an investigation. But I do remember our conversation yesterday with Will. Will was like, you know, this is kind this is, it wasn't, you didn't say it was a nothing burger, but you said it's going to take some time to, you know, to fall through. But at the same time, I understand that, but I'm just happy to see some progress being done because we haven't had any progress. We haven't had anybody step up to check Gary Gensler and the other public servants that are getting paid with our taxpayer dollars. And that's where I draw the line. Yeah, grilling is certainly fun. Uh, I think everyone enjoys that, like a little back and forth here. And I think this just sort of highlights the tension between the two sides, right? And we're going to see more of these back and forths. I think it's important to note, Gary Gensler is appointed by the Biden administration, right? He is running the SEC at the behest of that administration, while Congress, and especially in this Financial Services Committee, it's more Republican-leaning, right? So I think we're going to see more of this. There's going to be more fireworks. Uh, Wendy, you'll certainly enjoy it. Zach, last thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you got to make hay while the sun's out, right? And I think Republicans on this House committee see an opportunity to paint Biden's executive branch as being incompetent, at least in this particular task. I don't personally see that crypto is going to be a major factor in the 2024 elections. I think it's too niche, really, that most people, honestly, in America still don't fully care. But that doesn't mean that these politicians uh, are going to waste the opportunity to lambast Gensler over, you know, what I think all observers would indicate is pretty sort of uneven application of these rules, right? An uneven application and an unfair position in terms of not sort of presenting again these rules of the road. You saw this letter from congressional Republicans yesterday preceding this hearing saying, hey man, like their lack of compliance, it's on you, it's not on them. And I think that people in the industry certainly feel that way. And I think that's a fair assessment of what's going on. If you strip aside all the politics and all the mudslinging even, I think it is a fair assessment that the industry itself has been saying for years now, just give us some clear rules, give us some clarity. And this SEC has been unable to provide that. You had Hinman years ago say that ETH, by his estimation, looked like a commodity. That is not codified into law. And yet an entire industry has sort of been built upon whatever light reassurances that one commissioner's stance some years ago, it gives them the, the assurances that they can continue to build in a lawful manner. You know, the fact that McHenry there was really drilling down on ETH is really important because Bitcoin, Gensler has been clear about, but ETH, which is obviously the big elephant in the room, hasn't benefited from that clarity, at least around Gensler's uh, public statements. 
So that was a, a definitely a good one to go in on. Last word to Wendy, and then we'll change gears quickly. Really quickly, it was just reported earlier today, Coinbase to consider leaving the U.S. if regulatory clarity doesn't emerge, CEO says. Again, they said the word consider, it is not that they're going to. And I think that is very important. Oh, that's what you were going into. So that's a perfect segue. Hey, this is Jensen Essie from The Hash. Are you heading to Consensus? Because I am, along with the rest of The Hash crew. If you're there, you have to connect with the Filecoin community ahead of Coindesk's big event at the Filecoin network base from April 24th through April 26th in downtown Austin. Join Filecoin ecosystem contributors for lightning talks on Web3, gaming, developer workshops, and the latest updates on the Filecoin virtual machine. Spanning three floors packed with programming and networking opportunities, the network base hosted by Filecoin Foundation is your go-to spot for cross-chain collaboration and connection in Austin. Register today at networkbase.io forward slash Austin. Join Coindesk's Consensus 2023, the most important conversation in crypto and Web3, happening April 26th through 28th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is the industry's only event bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. Immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer creators, builders, founders, brand leaders, entrepreneurs, and more. Use code THEHASH to get 15% off your pass. Visit consensus.coindesk.com or check the link in the show notes. Wednesday's top story. Intel, the computing giant, is going to stop producing Bitcoin ASIC chips, according to a note from Tom's Hardware, who first reported the matter. Why are they doing this? Well, they only got into the Bitcoin mining game about a year ago, producing the chips that manufacturers needed in order to make the Bitcoin mining machines themselves. They had a few pre-orders from a few companies such as Grid, Argo Blockchain, Epic Blockchain, and not a lot of these companies ended up baking machines out of them in the first place. Only high blockchain, epic blockchain uh, were actually able to produce these things in the first place. And now they're going to wind it down in favor of other chip manufacturing, namely a $20 billion plant in Arizona that has actually been constructed right now. And that's for more typical computing things like iPhones and computers rather than Bitcoin miners. Zach, I'll throw this one over to you for your take on it. Yeah, the P's and Tom's hardware, I thought, like framed it up nicely, right? Came in late, leaving too early. And oftentimes we see that from these big legacy players who get to crypto a bit late in the cycle, don't really reap any of the rewards that many of their preceding parties did, and then say, hey, this kind of sucks, we're leaving. So maybe we're seeing that from Intel a little bit. You know, there's nothing damning, especially in the comments that Intel made about this decision, right? I think there is a lot out there that suggests that Bitcoin is still a bit toxic for some of these big brands to be associated with. So the idea that they could be producing these polluting chips that the New York Times is going to go out and tackle next expose around, you know, that could have been the subtext here, but none of the public statements indicate that at all. This simply indicates just a a shift in priorities in terms of what type of technologies Intel wants to uh, focus on going forward. So I was kind of wondering if there was any of that subtext or any of that sort of between the lines. I'm not seeing that at all. But I do think in the big picture that these tech companies that are big established Web2 players, especially when the times are bad in Bitcoin land, 
it comes with some risks being associated with the space, especially in the wake of these uh, energy reports that we've seen about Bitcoin mining in recent weeks. So I don't know. I don't know what the subtext is, but this seems to be, you know, just a business decision that a big tech company is going to make. And hey, maybe they'll live through the day when uh, when Bitcoin is surging and it's a big business line. But for now, it doesn't seem to have been that large. So Jen, I'll toss to you for your thoughts. Yeah, I had the same thoughts. And my initial thought was, ah, is it too early? Maybe I'll ask Will. And then I I kept reading the Tom's hardware piece. And this isn't the only cost cutting that's happening at Intel, right? They're shelving plans for that mega lab that they were building in Oregon. They are canceling plans for a development center. They're trimming down on some other programs. So I think this is indicative of the tech market at large, right? We speak so much on the show about the layoffs and the tightening that's happening because of what's going on in the macro sphere. And so I think that this is part of that. Zach, I agree with you. Throughout the whole piece, there was no mention of negative sentiment from regulators when it comes to mining, from negative sentiment in mainstream media. But I think that we would be silly to say that that didn't come into play, even at a very kind of small level when they were making this decision. I think, you know, you're not getting a lot of business. You're seeing all of these damning reports in the media. You're not really sure what regulators are going to do. It's just a smart business decision to wind down. But Will, is it too early? Was this business decision made too early? Yeah, great question. If you look at numbers for Bitcoin mining right now, monthly revenue is about 500 million per month for Bitcoin miners. That's compared to bull market where we saw every month over $1 billion in revenue. So revenues are certainly down, but they're not as bad as previous cycles. So 2017, 2018, it clipped over 1 billion for about two months. And then it went down so hard and so fast down to the hundreds of millions as opposed to like 500 million or plus that. So right now, we're actually like not in a bad place in terms of mining revenue. It's more sustainable, which means that like some of these players, I would have actually expected to stick around. I do have some like inside knowledge on this Intel thing, which I can share here just because I do work in like mining media. And that is that Intel actually made a lot of these chips and they made so many and they had too big of a supply that they're really just selling out that supply. And there's no need for them to continue manufacturing it. They're sitting on a glut of supply and they'll probably keep selling these chips for the next year or two to manufacturers who are actually making the machines themselves. And, you know, that makes sense for them. So just to your guys' point, it was a business decision. Zach, over to you. Yeah, that was interesting. That was a little inside. Mm -hmm. So one thing I bring to the show. Don't mind if I pun on a Wednesday. That (laughs) intel about some mining stuff and supply of these chips. That is fascinating. Thursday's top story. Big old U.S. crypto exchange Coinbase is taking its statements about looking elsewhere seriously. In the wake of being served a Wells notice by the SEC, falling under scrutiny from the U.S. securities regulator, Coinbase is taking steps to secure some additional licensing, this time in Bermuda, potentially to roll out what would be a bit more exotic than Coinbase's traditional spot offerings, a derivatives exchange operating out of the island over there in the Atlantic. Interesting stuff. We talked about this, I think, the other day about Brian Armstrong sort of being like, well, you know what? If the U.S. is going to be like this, We're going to have to start looking elsewhere, be that the UK or one of the many more crypto-friendly jurisdictions around the world. Interesting stuff. Interesting that they landed on Bermuda, at least with this little update. Will, I'm going to toss it your way. Any initial thoughts on this one as Coinbase goes license shopping? Yeah, for sure. The first thing I thought about actually was I thought it read Bahamas when I first read the story. And I was like, oh, no, don't go there. Don't go there. Uh, Luckily, they're going to Bermuda somewhere else. First thought, though, past that, first interesting or maybe valuable thought is the fact that it's derivatives exchange versus like the spot exchange that are typically operating within the US. So Coinbase has a lot of different arms for its business, but mostly if you're using Coinbase, you're probably buying spot Bitcoin or spot, some other token or selling spot. It's a smaller market. 
derivatives markets like dwarf every other side type of market out there because you are able to have more volume, you have a lot of different products, and you're basically betting on where the futures of these prices are going to go. Coinbase doesn't really operate that, to my knowledge, in the US because it's really hard. The only product that really had that available was Kraken for a while, and the SEC and some other regulators told them to stamp that out. So there's not really like a great crypto product for derivatives in the US at the moment. Uh, that's why a lot of these companies do go offshore. I want to bring up a tweet really quick, which I thought sort of tied into this whole conversation talking about uh, the SEC coming into Coinbase's territory. This is from a infamous crypto Twitter account, Jiba, saying, how is it even legal for the government to approve Coinbase to go public than to come back years later and say they're operating illegally? Brian Armstrong with a nice little quip. It's a great question. This sort of brings into context, obviously, like the whole things are going on with the SEC and the Wells notice they issued to Coinbase. And now that Coinbase is looking internationally uh, to continue building its brand, they're not going to sit idly by. Uh, they're going to keep moving. I do stand by my comments as of yesterday. I think that a lot of this is posturing. I don't think a lot of the business lines that Coinbase runs would leave the US, but it does make sense for them to take their operating stack as it is, move it offshore, offer it to non-Americans and operate more revenue. Jen, over to you. Yeah, I asked the same question as Jeebus as I was reading this story. I think, Will, I agree with you. It is a little bit of posturing and it's to get the attention of the right people. So, you know, earlier this week, we saw Gensler testify before Congress. I think, you know, the fact that we have Coinbase executives out here giving us play-by-plays on what's going on, talking in the media so much about what's going on, saying, if you guys don't figure this out, we're going to Bermuda, is going to eventually force these questions to be asked at another level, you know, maybe the next congressional hearing that we see Gensler testify at, people are going to reference Armstrong and ask, you know, what the SEC thinks of U.S. regulated exchanges going offshore because they just can't get clarity. They just can't get to terms with the SEC. I think that is part of the plan here. What I am curious about, though, is these island nations that are so friendly to crypto, how they are going to respond to the FTX fallout and how the exchanges and the businesses who decide to set up in these nations assure their customers that the same thing that happened with FTX isn't going to happen to them. I don't think we've really seen any movement there. And I think that the governments are going to have to start responding to show how they have learned from what's happened with FTX and why that might not happen again. But Zach, I'll toss it back to you. The Bahamas PTSD angle was definitely something that was uh, was brought to mind here. They're probably looking around like, well, we could do Bahamas, but, <laughs> but it's maybe not permanently now. tainted so, by yeah. the implosion of furniture for cheap. Yeah, in 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 the Albany uh, complex, maybe a luxury apartment or two on the market at a discounted fire sale price. Hey, but no, it is interesting. This is obviously a global industry. There's a lot of global players jockeying for position. Some are more willing to court this industry than others. And I think we've seen this play out time and time again in the history of this nascent industry. And we're seeing it sort of renewed in the wake of some of these more stringent uh, requirements that the U.S. seems to be wanting to impose on crypto exchanges and also token issuers potentially. So this whole thing, I think we're going to see a lot of this, right? Kind of that shuffle, right? Where are people going to end up? What kind of jurisdictions are going to be that next big wave? Not necessarily Crypto Bahamas, but maybe Crypto Bermuda is in store. Or maybe it's a, a push by some of those smaller jurisdictions that we've seen in the past, whether that's Malta or Hong Kong or you name it, right? The Seychelles. All these different places have different rules that suit crypto projects differently, right? There are DAO projects that want to incorporate in the Caymans as opposed to the Seychelles for various reasons and protections that are afforded to them in one country relative to the next. So 
crypto does have the ability to kind of play the field. And it's really interesting, I think, just to see how the geography of this placeless idea and technology plays out in real time, because it's real people with real offices, real talent that's accumulating in some of these centers, maybe less so than in other industries, but certainly enough for some smaller places to really want that action. So interesting to watch this from Coinbase, which is obviously just a huge player. Anyway, Jen, close us out. What do you got? I got nothing, you know? You got nothing. You got nothing on this one. Yeah. Is coin, <laughs> did coin react on the news? Is the stock up? Yeah, What's yeah, going it's... on here? Is there any is there any market activity? Any response from those trading this stuff? Who knows? You've been listening to the Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, the hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.